Turn to your Bibles with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 139. This past Monday, oh, probably 25 to 30 of us, maybe closer to 30 of us, went to the Narrowway <clears throat> Dinner Theater to watch this really hilarious uh, production called The Moley Family Reunion. And one of the main characters' names was, he was the Reverend, and his name was, can you guess it? Holy Moley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and so, and also I got to just say, Pup Pud, it's good to have you here this morning. God bless you, Pup Pud. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, uh, Phil was targeted as, uh, they, they used some of the audience members as uh, some of the characters. And so one of the characters up there had to find a, a husband. Uh, and so somehow Phil got selected and his name was Putnam. And he, they, his little name tag was Putnam, but they named him Putt Putt. So, so if you feel free to call him Putt Putt going forward, and I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll be all right with that. But this past Monday was a lot of fun, um, and what we what we had is it, it was a family reunion where there was all these a couple of tables lined up, really long tables, and each of the family members was sitting there, and it was like it looked it looked like they were at some sort of uh, outdoor cookout, some sort of picnic family reunion, right? And, and each of the ones that were lined up there and seated uh, <clears throat> at the place had very distinct and unique personalities to them. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the, you, you could just identify with some of them as, as you're looking at them. I, I know someone just like that, or, or I'm, I'm just like that person. And as we were looking at it, how many that were there that night know what I'm talking about, right? All these distinct personalities, and it was just a lot of fun, and, and they did it. They did it as a laugh, and, and it, and, but they drove some points home in how, uh, how we need to all get along and love one another and the family of God and all of that. Uh, so I appreciate how they, how they did it in a humorous way. But as I was looking at this, uh, this production that we looked at, and these actors and actresses did such a great job. It was just, just a real skill level and professionalism, but it, it made me think about how... God has made so many unique people, you know. In fact, uh, you are unique. There's no one else like you. Not another person. Even if you're an identical twin, you're not identical even then. You are one of billions of God's uh, unique expressions of himself. Think about that. You are one of billions of God's unique expressions of himself. Now, now, you may think, you may be sitting here going, yeah, you did a pretty good job with me, you know? Or, or you may be thinking, you know, man, really? He must have had a bad day when he was making me. A... Or, or maybe, depending on the day and the mood you're in, you're kind of somewhere in between, you know, all of that. But the fact is, all of us have been thought of first in God's mind, and then he brought us into existence to live out the greatest version of ourselves for his glory. And today's message is entitled, How Can We Become the Greatest Versions of Ourselves? You know, God doesn't make mistakes and God doesn't make junk. You've heard that before, right? So as you're looking at yourself today, as you look at yourself in the mirror, as you look in yourself... As you look at yourself on your worst possible day, in your worst possible mood, your worst possible situation, the worst possible 
feeling that you feel. I want you to understand that God does not make junk. And God does not make mistakes. We all have our bad days. Amen? But we all have our good days too. Amen? Right. That's not the idea. But now, so God has this unique plan for you in the way that he made you uniquely. But we also know, and in fact, Richard, you touched on this, that Satan also has a plan for us, you know? God's, God, Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. God's plan is for us that we might have life and have it to the full, right? John 10, 10. But as certain, and I certainly know that Satan has a plan for our life, but I'm so thankful, and I want to encourage you today to, to, to just embrace what God's plan is for your life. And God made you just as you are for a reason. I want you to just think about yourself. You have certain talents. He gave those talents to you, and he made those talents in you for a reason. The way that you think, he made you that way for a reason. That's why you think the way that you think, the way that you feel, you know, your, your passions and your interests. He made you that way for a reason. He made you to be male or female today. He, he made you to have a certain ethnicity, black and Hispanic and white. He made you on purpose to be the way that you are. The entirety of who you are is uniquely made to bring glory to God. I don't know if you ever thought about that. And I just, I'm just going to touch on this, and I'm going to say this very lovingly, but very, very clearly, in that this whole gender identity that's going on uh, in our generation, I want you to understand this. This is a, a lie from Satan. It's a tool of the enemy. It's another way that Satan is trying to steal and kill and destroy our generation. God does not make mistakes. He made you to be a woman. He wants you to be a woman. He made you to be a man. He wants you to be a man. Understand this. Satan's idea is to say, no, you actually are not a man, you're a woman, or vice versa. And that's a lie from Satan. He's trying to, to steal and to kill and to destroy you. It's a lie from the enemy that tells you that you should identify as something that you're not. The fact is, if you're a white man, you're a white man. If you're a black woman, you're a black woman. If you're a Hispanic man or if you're, if you're an Asian woman, you are, by God's unique design on purpose, made that way and embrace it. Celebrate it. And then live in that and don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. I mean, there's people out there that are identifying themselves as a tree. It's true. They're identifying themselves as, as, as an animal. They're identifying themselves as different things. But God didn't make you to be a tree. God made trees to glorify Him. God made animals to glorify Him. And the way that God created those things, those animals, those, those plants... And humanity, all of us are made uniquely and on purpose to glorify God. And he makes no mistakes. Amen? Amen? All right. I say that lovingly, not with condemnation, because I know that there may be some people that are watching here today, or maybe you have some relatives here, and you say, I don't know what to do with this. Well, just speak to them with what I just said. God doesn't make mistakes. And there's a lot of that going on in the world today. Young people, hear me. Parents of young people, hear me. How do you talk to your children about this? Just like I said. And then the Holy Spirit can bring the truth to them and say, you know what? That's true. And help us to celebrate who God has made us to be. Amen? Amen. 
So how can we discover and live out the greatest versions of our uniquely designed and created selves? Is it trying to be like someone else? Well, uh, Madison Avenue sure has marketed that. You put that in magazines, you put that in the movies, you put that on TV, you put that on all these sort of displays. You go to the grocery store, you go through the shopping centers, you go through the retail stores, and you, and, 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 and you see all these models that look perfect. And they're, by the way, they're airbrushed, they're not perfect, okay? You know, they, 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 they carve them out really good, you know? Uh, there's a whole lot of things you can do with computers these days, all right? But market, uh, rather, uh, Madison Avenue is marketing perfection. Or marketing, you want to be like this. You want to be like this person. If you only had this, if you could only be this way, if your hair color was only this way, if you could only be, ha have this kind of, you know, whatever the case may be. I pick on hair color because it's the first thing that comes to my mind. But, but marketing is, 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 is all over the place in different ways of how we need to be someone different than how God created us to be. Now, I'm not saying it's, a sin to color your hair. I'm not saying it's a sin to do anything like that. Look nice. I mean, thank you, ladies and men, for us taking care of ourselves, right? But if our whole pursuit is to try to be like that person in that image or to be like someone else, that's why we have idols. That's why teenagers are just all over the place with like Elvis Presley back in the day and now whatever, whoever the latest person is out there. We just idolize these people. Oh, I just want to be like that person. No, you don't. I promise you don't. It's a veneer. Back behind the scenes, it's all messed up anyway. They're just as messed up as, as all of us are, right? They're still trying to figure this thing out. Rich people commit suicide just like poor people do. They're not happy. It's not like trying to be someone else. That's not going to help us discover our greatest versions of ourselves. I'm so glad that God didn't use a cookie cutter when he made you and me. Gingerbread, 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 gingerbread. Nope. We are unique. You were made, you and I were not made on an assembly line. We were uniquely made as individuals by God, the master craftsman. You're unique and one of a kind. All you have to do is go to the doctor and say, can you check my DNA and check my fingerprints? And you're, it's going to come back that you're the only one that has that DNA and you're the only one that has those fingerprints. You are that unique. Let's read how this describes it to us in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully is not that we're afraid of it, but when you think about when you're fearing God, for example, that means you reverence him. That means you, you respect him. So I want you to think about that word fearful in the sense of because I'm respectfully and reverently made. In other words, I'm going to reverence this body. I'm not going to worship this body, but I'm going to revere this body in that it's a creation of God. I'm going to respect this body in that it's a creation of God. So, so I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, it continues. And I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow. Doesn't that blow your mind? I don't know if you've really read that recently, but as we just kind of settle into this, your eyes saw my unformed body. In other words, God said, 
there's somebody that I want to create and they don't even exist yet. They're not even in, they hadn't even been conceived yet in, the, in a womb, but they've been conceived in my mind. And that somebody is going to have certain features, certain talents, certain abilities, certain ways, a certain gender, a certain skin color, a certain ethnicity, a certain background, a certain, a certain way of being. And I'm going to make that person Brian or put your name in it because that's what he did for you. Before you ever were even a glim, glimmer in your father's eye, you were a glimmer in your father's eye. And he said, I need that person to be on this earth because I have a unique assignment for them and a unique purpose for them that only they can do and glorify me in only a way that they can glorify me. God desires that you live out how he intimately and uniquely created you. How he ordained your days before you were even born. Did you know that today is not a surprise to him that you're here? He knew before you ever were formulated that on Sunday, February the 20th, 2022, that you would somehow, someway end up being at Faith Assembly of God in Rock Hill, South Carolina. He knew that. Isn't that good to know? He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. He knows where you're going to be the next day and the next, until all of your days, he has it all the way to the end. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. We know the, the beginning from the end, don't we? In some ways. He knows the end from the beginning, meaning he's been to the end of our life and he's coming back and meeting us where we are and say, come on, let me help you with this. Let me navigate you through this. Isn't that good to know? But how can we do this successfully? How can we live out our greatest versions of ourselves? Because we live in a sinful world, don't we? There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of temptations. But I'm so thankful that God hasn't, he hasn't just thrown us out there and left this to our own strength to navigate through this. What he's done is he's given us his Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been looking over the last several weeks. The first week I encouraged you, I challenged you to spend time with Jesus. Say that with me. Spend time with Jesus. Jesus, that's where life transformation takes place when you spend time with Jesus. The, the, the religious leaders identified and recognized that Peter and John, when they spoke so boldly before them, after they said to the man, take up your bed and walk, and they, the, the, the religious leaders brought him in and said, who in the world do you think you are? You need to stop doing this. And he said, Peter said, listen, you can tell me what you want to tell me, but I'm going to do what I've been called to do because God's in me, the, the Spirit is in me, and I've got to do this. I, I, and he's just bold. He was just bold. And the, the phrase that they, the, 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 in the scripture that says, the key phrase there that says this is that they, they, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, you spend time with Jesus and it changes you. You spend time with some awful person and it'll change you too in the wrong way. You are who you hang out with. Isn't that right? That's what my, my mother-in-law says, says a lot. That's kind of a phrase that she's known for. You are who you hang out with. That's true. I want to hang out with Jesus. How about you? And I want to hang out with people that are hanging out with Jesus. How about you? Like us here. Right? And I want, I want whatever's in you to rub off on me that's the good stuff. And the stuff that's not the good stuff, let it just slough away. Right? I don't want any of that. But I want to hang out with Jesus. And then last week we looked at how... Peter, the same guy who denied Christ three times, 
was the, was the very guy that stood up in Acts chapter 2, verse 4 and said, Hey, we're not drunk. Let me tell you what's going on. And he preached boldly the message of Christ. And thousands were added to the church that day. In fact, the church was born that day. What happened? He was filled with the Spirit. That's what happened. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And church, we are a Spirit-empowered, Spirit-believing movement. The Assemblies of God was birthed out of that, out of a revival where the Holy Spirit fell in that, in that building on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, with a bunch of ragtag, nondescript, whatever kind of people. They were, not, they were not important to the world, but they were important to God. And God said, I uniquely designed, by the way, these people in, in, in Azusa Street to come together on that day and be filled with the Spirit so that they can launch out in a movement that has impacted the world for, for over 100 years now. Because of the Spirit of God, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit of God filled them and empowered them and gave them boldness. Just like happened with Peter. Just like happened 100 years ago on Azusa Street. And just like God wants to do today in this church, in your life, in this generation. For those of us who are hungry for that. For those of us who are yielding to that. So how can we live our best and greatest version of ourselves? It's through His Spirit. It's through His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit can take our strengths. All of us have strengths. And the Holy Spirit can take our strengths and maximize those strengths for His glory. And the Holy Spirit can take our weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. And can shore those weaknesses up. That's what He did with the disciples. And so I want to do a, to do a little fun little game here today. I want us to look at a few of the disciples that Jesus handpicked. They didn't just show up. He went out and said, you, you, 12 guys. Follow me. I mean, there were others that followed him, but he picked 12 men. And I want you to look at these men, all of us here today. I'm going to look at a few of them. And I want to see if you see anything uh, of yourself in any of these men. As I'm reading and describing these men to you, I want you to say, hmm, that's a lot like me. Or no, that's not like me at all. So here we go. Ready? Okay, let's look at Peter. Last week we saw Peter. We spent a lot of time with Peter last week. So Peter, he was a strong man as far as his opinions are concerned. Are you strong in your opinions? Do not elbow anybody. Please stop. It's not of God, okay? Are you strong in your opinions? Are you, are you, are you a very opinionated person? Peter was. Nothing bad about that, by the way. It's how God has uniquely wired you and made you. Um... Do you embrace life full throttle? I mean, are you like jump and then ask questions later sort of thing? Are you the kind of person that goes bungee jumping and doesn't even think about it? That kind of person, you know? No thanks. But is, if that's you, go for it. You know, that's you. Embrace life that way. Are you a natural born leader? Uh, like if you're in a group of people, are you the one that pretty much regularly gets voted to be the president or the leader or the whatever, right? Natural born leader. Hey, let's do this. Let's go here. Are you the natural? Are you the one that steps up to the plate? Yeah. When you enter a room, does the temperature change? Yeah. Is that you? Yeah. Does everything that you do tend to be big and bold and over the top, even though maybe sometimes it doesn't quite succeed? At least in your mind, it's like the awesome thing that's going on. 
big, bold. These are all great qualities, really they are. And God has given them to you to uniquely live them out for His glory. But in your own strength, without the Holy Spirit, without yielding to Him, under your own direction, those things can do more harm than good. Because actually they can be abused and they can be used for your own glory and actually potential destruction if you're not careful. We've seen that happen too. You think about whatever examples that you want to of people that are born leaders and just very charismatic. And they flame out pretty quickly, don't they? Without the moderation and the, really the harnessing of the Holy Spirit. So Peter, harnessed by the Holy Spirit, See, what, what all of us, Simon Peters, if you, if you looked at that and said, that's me, I don't need to go any further, that's me. You, you can keep listing the disciples, that's me, I'm Peter. Good. If that's you, then listen to this. You need stability and you need firmness. You, you need a support. You need a solid rock. You need an anchor. You need someone that's going to harness your strength, your God-given boldness and your leadership skills, and you need the Holy Spirit to direct those skills and that boldness and that leadership ability towards fulfilling your God-given destiny in Him. It's a gift that God has given you, but it also can destroy you if you don't yield it to the Holy Spirit. He desires that you use those gifts and abilities that I just described for His glory. He uniquely designed you to be that way for His glory. That's what we saw last week. When Simon Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he harnessed that energy and that boldness and proclaimed the gospel, didn't he? Yeah. So how about John, the Apostle John? John wrote the book of John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote Revelation. I mean, he was very prominent in, in the New Testament. He was one of Jesus' disciples. Last week, we actually saw how he was actually, I called him good old dependable John. Really? He stayed right there by Jesus through all of the trial. He stayed there with Jesus' mother during the crucifixion. He could be counted on, John could. He didn't deny Christ. He stood right there with him. Now, just as a point of reference, John was the youngest uh, disciple of the bunch. Um, a lot of scholars think that he was in his late teens when he was called to be a disciple. But just because he was the youngest didn't mean that he was the most irresponsible or you know, immature. Instead, he actually was the one uh, of the 12 that can, of the most that could be counted on. He was, as I said, dependable. He stayed right there in the thick of all that Jesus did throughout all of Jesus' ministry. John had a, and this, is this you? I don't know. Think about it. John was a willing learner, open to whatever, very teachable. He owned up to his mistakes very quickly. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. I'm wrong. He owned up to it very quickly. He didn't pass the buck. He, he was always there. He was always ready. He was the first one to volunteer. He was the first one to step in. He was always willing to take on whatever challenge that he faced. So is that you? Does that sound like something that is more like you? Here, here's another part of a facet of who John uh, was. He, as he was filled with the Spirit, he, he became known as the Apostle of Love. If you read the book of John, it really is just this giant love book. You know, John is the one that grasped the teachings of Jesus as it relates to the love of God better than any of the rest of the disciples. 
John is the one who put the premium on love. He connected the dots on what Jesus did and the love of God the Father. And only the Holy Spirit could do that. So let me ask you this. Are you, or do these qualities describe you that you're dependable, that you're teachable, and that you have a great capacity and a great ability to love even the unlovely? Is that you? You look past the, the outward and you see the heart, you see the, the need, you see the, the person, the soul. You know? Is that you? Great qualities. Great qualities. The Holy Spirit can take those qualities and maximize them for God's glory and also help stabilize whatever youthful weaknesses that you may have. Yeah. How about this? There's Matthew. Okay, Matthew was this different guy altogether. Matthew was a tax collector, and you would think, well, that's not a bad job. Made a lot of money, took care of people's finances. He's kind of like in the money, you know, He's financial guy. But back then, a tax collector was not a desirable job. In fact, if you know anything about Matthew, he was considered the lowest of the low scum of the earth reject. Yeah. All the disciples really had kind of a less than desirable past when you think about it. But Matthew was the guy that won the prize. Why? Because he was a traitor. He was an extorter of money. Traitor meaning that he worked for the Roman government to take money from his fellow, uh, fellow citizens, his fellow brothers, his fellow Jews. And so even though he had all the riches and all the creature comforts and whatever else that he needed, he was doing it on the backs of his brothers and sisters. And so his brothers and sisters says, you're nothing to us. Because you're working for them. The Romans used him and his own countrymen despised him. He was a stranger in his own country. And he had a man. Actually, he was a man without any, really any true friends. I don't know. Does that, does that describe you? I'm not saying that anybody is, is a tax collector in here. But, but have you come from a place in your life where, and I've heard some testimonies. I know some of your stories, so I, I, you know what I'm talking about here, but have you come from a past where if you could see me when I was 20 years old, if you knew me when I was 30 years old, if you knew me when I was a teenager, oh, if you only knew what God has brought me out of and where I am today, if you could know me back then and where I am today, you wouldn't even recognize me. Were you considered at that time the lowest of the low, the scum of the earth, the reject of society, those that someone didn't want anything to do with, and God has rescued you, and here you are today. Praise God. It's a great story. See, Matthew was one of those kind of people when Jesus entered his life. One of those kind of people. One of them. Now, again, maybe you weren't a tax collector, but maybe you can relate to being one of those kind of people who had a long journey, one tragic choice after another, before Jesus finally found you and rescued you. So what does a spirit-empowered Matthew look like? Well, that person has a powerful story of rescue. That person has a story to declare to the rest of the broken people that are struggling 
in their own bondage and poor choices. That person is one who can declare how God can take the broken and shattered pieces of what was once a destructive and hopeless life and make something meaningful and productive out of it. One who can take a life that was living under Satan's steel, kill, destroy category and brought to a one that has life and has it to the full category in Christ. The fact is, is there's no passionate, there's no more passionate rescuer than the one who knows what it feels like to be dangling from the end of a rope and looking down at the rocky cliffs below. You have a great story to tell and a spirit empowered woman or man of God that is uniquely wired and created can share that story where some of us could never share and impact people's lives. Does that sound like maybe you today? So we have Peter, the born leader. We have John, the dependable. We have Matthew, the one of those people. How about Thomas? Oh, how about Thomas? We won't forget about Thomas. Some people know him. In fact, he's kind of been labeled as Doubting Thomas. You know, he's the one that wasn't there when Jesus showed up after he resurrected. He says, I'm not going to believe until I see his nails and feel, his, you know, feel the scar on his side and all that. But let's not call him Doubting Thomas. How about let's call him Deep Thinking Thomas? Yeah, Deep Thinking Thomas. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're a deep thinker. See, we, we know this, that, that Thomas missed Jesus appearing after he rose again. And he declared, I'm not going to believe in, until I see him with my own eyes. See, Thomas was disappointed once. He wasn't going to let his heart get crushed again. Thomas thought that he, that he was going to protect himself a little bit. He was a deep, think, he was a deep thinker. Because the fact is, is that Thomas thought and felt things very deeply. He was the kind of guy that wouldn't budge if he didn't agree. But if he did agree, he was all in, even to the death. You see, Thomas was passionate in his beliefs, which helped him, but it also hurt him. People like Thomas, and maybe there's some of you out here today, you can't just shrug off disappointments like others. Maybe people like Thomas, they tend to carry those disappointments for a long time. Hard to let go. So, I don't know, maybe if this is you, have you ever been disappointed by someone and maybe you just haven't been able to get over that? Maybe it's been years ago. You've been hurt by someone and you just haven't been able to get over it? Do you feel things deeply? How about this? Do you struggle to get over things quickly and easily? You can't just let it roll off your back. Boy, it just, it just soaks right in there, doesn't it? while others have moved on, and you envy those people that have moved on, but while others have moved on, you're still that one in the back there, you're doubting, and you're thinking, and you're, and you're desperately trying to figure things out. Is that you? Well, Jesus picked one just like you to be one of his 12. You know, while others quickly get encouraged, you're still struggling with discouragement. While others have forgiven, you're still holding on to hurts from your past. You see, God designed you to feel and think deeply, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, that's a great quality. 
God needs deep thinkers and deep feelers in his group of disciples. It's a gift, it's a blessing, but without the Holy Spirit, it can be imprisoning and utterly debilitating. And maybe you know what I'm talking about if I'm describing you today. If you're a Thomas out in this congregation, if you're watching here today and you're thinking, Matt, that is me. I don't even like going to church anymore I, I, because of the hypocrites. I don't even like, you know, I don't even like calling myself a Christian anymore because, of, because I've been hurt by so many people. And, and is God really real? And I mean, you just think about all these thoughts, you know? And you think deeply and you hold on to stuff and you're wrestling with it. You're trying to figure it out. The Holy Spirit can help you. The Holy Spirit can rescue you. The Holy Spirit can harness that and navigate you out of that and actually use that deep thinking and deep feeling for his glory. Because Thomas, once he was filled with the Holy Spirit, keep in mind all these men that I'm describing were also in the upper room that day when the Holy Spirit fell. Of the 120... 12 of them, 11 of them, well, 12 of them were the disciples. Peter got the, the front page headline that day, but Thomas was there too. And Thomas, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was able to magnify those God-given, deep-thinking passions and use them for His glory while allowing God to heal those past hurts and disappointments. Only the Holy Spirit can do that, people. Only the Holy Spirit can heal our past and help us to use those deep, passionate things about us for His glory. You know, God has great plans for you deep-thinking, passionate ones. And a Spirit-filled Thomas could not be stopped. Now, there were other disciples as well. We read about Bartholomew. That was one of the guys. We understand him being honest and sincere. Short-tempered James. Are you short-tempered? Jesus picked one just like you to be a disciple. Eager Andrew. Are you eager? Just like Andrew was? He needs you. How about a patriotic Simon the Zealot? I'm an American and I don't like what's going on in our country. <laughs> Using all those passions and energy in your putting stuff on the internet and saying, well, I'm just a uh, sin, you know? How about taking that energy and that passion, your patriotism, and say, you know what? I'm going to glorify God in this. All of these men had unique God-given qualities, and when the Holy Spirit filled them, all these men were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit filled all of them and, and God then took their strengths. His whole, the Holy Spirit took those strengths and they were maximized and took their weaknesses and they were shored up for God's glory. But there's one guy, one of the 12, that I want to hone in on as we begin to land this plane here this morning. Because I find it interesting that of the 12 disciples, there was one that not a thing was written about. Not a thing. We know his name, and we know who his father was, and we know that he was the disciple. But nothing else is written, and his name was James, the son of Alphaeus, or James the Lesser. That's all we know about him. He shows up about three times, and it's all three times, it's just like he was just listed as one of the twelve. There was no conversations. 
There was no quotes. There was no instances. There was no interactions. There was no strengths or weaknesses. There was nothing except, again, he was one of the 12, and his dad's name was Alpheus. And after that, nothing. I, 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 I choose to kind of call him a fill-in-the-blank life. Not that he did nothing, because he did something for God's kingdom. But you can fill in the blank as to what that is. And I think this was done intentionally by the Holy Spirit. We know something about all 12 disciples, 11 disciples. We know only one thing about James and that his dad's name was Alpheus and that he was a disciple. I love how the Holy Spirit did this because in essence, I think we're all James, son of Alpheus. What about James? Well, what about you? And what about me? As we can fill in the blank for James's life, he was in the upper room, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he did great things for God's kingdom as he was uniquely wired. See, here's the thing. God, Jesus saw James. He could have picked anybody. But of the 12, James, son of Alphaeus, I call you to be one of my disciples. Fill in your name, son of or daughter of whoever you are, he calls you out as well. Brian, son of Jack, he calls me. He calls you out as well. We step into that space that James stepped in, in his generation, and we step into that space in our generation, and we live out our greatest version of ourselves with our own unique design for God's glory. I'm sure James had his own strengths and weaknesses. I have no idea what they were, but I do know this, that he was one of billions of expressions of God, just like you and I are today. Whatever kind of person James was, Jesus saw in him great potential. Enough so that he called him to be one of his disciples. And the Holy Spirit took James's strengths and maximized them. And took his weaknesses and shored them up. And I can only imagine that James, son of Alphaeus, could not be stopped after he was filled with the Holy Spirit along with the others in the upper room. And James, son of Alphaeus, fulfilled his God-given purposes on earth for the glory of God, just like God has called us to do in our generation. I want to read to you, again, Psalm 139, but I want to read to you out of the message version because it has a little more conversational meaning to it as I close this out today. Psalm 139 Verses 13 through 16 in the message says, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out, and you formed me in my mother's womb, and I thank you, high God, your breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth, and all the stages of my life were spread out before you, and the days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. And I just want to add one more thought to that particular text right there. It's a beautiful promise from God for all of us today. As that's the case, Jeremiah 29, a very common scripture for us, says, For I know the plans that I have for you. This is Jesus talking now. I know the plans that I have for you. I've already preordained them. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I'll just add this to it. He's uniquely crafted you for that very purpose. Everything about you is on purpose. 
in your life today. Isn't that good to know? So, Chris, can you come up? Or Emma, I'm sorry, Emma, can you come up? Yeah, Emma, sorry, Atlantis. Thanks, Chris. God bless you. You know, uh, when I first accepted Jesus, now I'd been raised in church all my life, but I remember at 14, I kind of made that final, like, I got to serve God, you know? Even though I felt like I'd done pretty good up to that point. And kind of this arrogant teenage sort of approach to it. I mean, you don't know any arrogant teenagers, do you? Say, I'm sitting next to one, right? No. Or I was one, probably is a better way to put it. But certainly, we all, we all, when we were teenagers, thought we knew everything, and our parents knew nothing, and when we turned in our 20s, we finally realized that our parents were not as stupid as we thought they were, right? But it, when I was a teenager, you know, and I accepted Jesus, I arrogantly kind of had this approach of, well, you know, God's not going to have to do too much work on me. I'm pretty, doing pretty good. You know, I'm going to be in kind of an easy work for him, right? Isn't that an awful, arrogant approach to it? How many can relate to what I'm talking about, though, maybe? Some of you maybe are like, you know, God just took me out of nothing and made me something. But I was kind of in this arrogant approach of like, you know, God, you're just not going to have to do too much work on me. But over the years, oh my goodness, has he done some work on me? I realize, oh, he had a lot to work on and he's continuing to do so. He's making me like Christ. His Holy Spirit is working out of me the stuff in this journey, this relationship that I have with the Lord. He's working some stuff out of me that doesn't belong still to this day and will continue to do so until I breathe my last breath. Uh, but he's also, he's also maximizing my strengths. He's made me to be who I am and I've made a choice to say, yeah, and I want to, I want to, I want to channel that all for the glory of God. Not, not perfectly and not consistently, but with my whole heart, you know? And that's what He wants from us. I'm a pastor, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an outgoing person. Are you a deep thinker? Do you have a past like Matthew? Are you, uh, are you dependable like John? I, I don't know. But God certainly had a vast array of disciples unique all of them with their strengths and weaknesses and they all work together and Jesus said I, I need all of these people here because that's what makes the body of Christ work so well if we were all like Peter uh, we would be fighting one another for leadership too many Indian too many chiefs and not enough Indians it's not fun if we're all deep thinkers we would all be unforgiving to one another and just you know <laughs> kind of you know, trying to get over stuff in the past, and that would be kind of a drudgery too, wouldn't it? You know, come on, let's all, let's all just be happy and forgive one another. But all of us together, we work to encourage one another in that way and balance each other out. I'm so thankful that God's helping me on my life's journey to help me maximize my strengths and also help me to short my weaknesses. And He wants to do the same with you and I today. How can we become the greatest versions of ourselves? Here's the answer to that question. By yielding to the Holy Spirit. Oh, pastor, I was waiting for some life-changing, you know, thing. That is life-changing. If you'll do it. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an act of your will. You have to yield. Yielding is a choice that you make. 
and it will revolutionize your life. And as you yield to the Holy Spirit, He will also maximize your strengths, how you're uniquely made and wired, your past, your passions, everything about you. He's also going to help shore up your weaknesses for the glory of God. God has made you with some wonderful, unique qualities. When he wanted someone like you, he looked around and saw there was no one like you, so he made you. And he made you for fellowship with him first and foremost, but also he made you to express through your life his goodness and his glory to those around you. He wants you to be the greatest version of yourself, and that only comes through your yielding to the Holy Spirit of Christ. Your tongue, your hands, your mind, your emotions, your past, your present, your future, your all. So again, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, as we've been revolving ourselves around the Holy Spirit these last few weeks, I want to ask if you would stand with me this morning. And I want us to spend a few moments here today yielding to the Holy Spirit. And specifically with your eyes closed right now and your head bowed and just not looking around because this is totally between you and the Lord right now. This is really a personal transaction that's getting ready to take place. And if you're looking around or looking at your watch or your mind is wandering off somewhere, well, you're just going to get robbed of all of this that you came today to experience this transaction. All that we've gotten up, we've eaten breakfast, we've come here, we've worshiped, we've listened to the word. All of that is pointing to right now. So don't let it rob you. Don't let Satan steal, kill, and destroy. Don't, don't let this rob you from your distractions or anything else by you looking around. So that's why I'm saying close your eyes because that's going to help you. And then just say, all right, Holy Spirit, here I am. Uh, help me to know what this looks like to yield to you. So just begin to pray to him right now, and I'm going to pray with you. But Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Uh, Lord, you've, you've made us how we are, uh, unique. Not one of us are the same in the entire planet. How did you do that? Billions and billions of people, and not one person is exactly the same. Our DNA, our fingerprints, the way we're wired, our, everything about us is unique because you're you're such a wonderfully creative God. And God, we thank you that you didn't make me as junk today. You didn't, you're not, a, I'm not a mistake to you. I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not needing to be anybody else. I'm needing to be the greatest version of how you created me to be. The unique way that you've wired me and, and put in me my passions and my thinking and my abilities. Or some of us may be like Peter, passionate and bold, but boy, we're self-destructing so many times because there's no harness. Some of us may be like John, where we are dependable, but we need to grasp the understanding of, of, of what true love is and really love people beyond what we see and, and be dependable for you. Some of us may be like Matthew, where our past is something that we'd rather not talk about. We're kind of ashamed of, but Lord, as we realize that your Holy Spirit has given us that story to tell just like we heard from Richard at the beginning we all have a testimony or that we wouldn't be ashamed of that but that we would celebrate it and be able to connect with people who need that same rescue that we would be passionate about rescuing people as you've rescued us and truly we've all been rescued when it boils down to it or we may be like Thomas where we're 
deeply thinking and have a hard time getting over stuff, but Lord, help us to, to take all of these things and we yield to you, Holy Spirit, in the way that we're wired. And really, we're all James, son of Alphaeus. We, we want to fill in that blank and be for our generation who you've called us to be, the way that you've uniquely created us so that we can be that disciple that makes a difference, a world changer for the kingdom of God right here in this day, in this generation. But it all starts with us yielding to you, Holy Spirit. So we do. We yield to you. Not just at this moment, not just as an event, but as a lifestyle daily, moment by moment. Show us how to do that. Holy Spirit, show us how to yield to you. The stuff that we've held on to for so long, the things that we want to control, the things that are hard to let go of because of our hurt, because of our fear. Whatever the reason is that we've not given you access, full access, we give us the courage, give us the understanding, give us the trust and the faith to let you have all of us, to yield everything about us to you today and moment by moment. And as we do, Lord, we're going to see this thing pivot. We're going to we're going to see our hearts turn to the things that are eternal, the things that are kingdom-minded, not this temporary stuff in this world, but the things that are of you, the things that are eternal. Lord, I pray that in this beautiful body of believers, this precious family of God here at Faith Assembly, as I look across this congregation and, and as you look across this congregation and you see the uniqueness of each of us, and why you've placed us all here together. Lord, may we encourage one another, strengthen one another, uh, compliment one another, support one another, but also may we glorify you. And through all that we do together, may we all in unison point people to Jesus Christ with our strengths, with our unique qualities, and even with our weaknesses. We love you. We thank you. Help us to know how to yield to you moment by moment every day.